Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection. Eulogy continued. In this sea of different thoughts, where Brother Lawrence was reduced to extremes, his courage remained steadfast. In fact, even in the midst of his greatest sufferings, he always had recourse to prayer, to the practice of the presence of God, to the practice of all the Christian religious virtues, to physical austerities, to sighs and tears, to long vigils, sometimes spending almost entire nights before the Blessed Sacrament. When at last one day he was reflecting on the sufferings that afflicted his soul and knowing that it was for the love of God and for fear of displeasing him that he was enduring them, he made a firm resolution to bear them not only for the rest of his life, but even for all eternity, if it pleased God to so ordain it. It doesn't matter what I do or what I suffer, so long as I remain lovingly united to his will in all things, he said. This was exactly the disposition God wanted him to have so he could fill him with his graces. And the resolve of his heart increased more than ever from that very moment. And God, who needs neither time nor much reasoning to make himself understood, opened Lawrence's eyes all at once. He saw a ray of divine light that illuminated his mind, dissipated his fears. He saw a ray of divine light that put an end to all his suffering. The graces he received more than compensated for all the afflictions of the past. He thus experienced what St. Gregory described, namely, that the world seems very insignificant to a soul that contemplates the grandeurs of God. His letters written to a Carmelite nun bear this out, and here, in a few words, is what they contain. The world seems incapable of keeping me company. All that I see with the eyes of my body passes before me like phantoms and dreams whereas all that I see with the eyes of my soul is my only desire. That I still find myself somewhat distant from the vision of God is the reason of my anguish and torment. Overwhelmed, on the one hand, by the brightness of this divine son of justice, who dissipates the shadows of the night, and paralyzed, on the other hand, because of my wretchedness, I am often beside myself. Nonetheless, my most ordinary occupation is to remain in the presence of God with all the humility of a useless yet faithful servant. This holy exercise shaped his special character, and the habit he had formed became so natural to him that as he explained in one of his letters and in other writings, he spent the last 40 years of his life in the actual exercise of the presence of God, 
or rather, as he himself said, in a silent, intimate conversation with him. One day, a friar, to whom Lawrence was obliged to reply, asked him what means he had used to acquire the habit of the presence of God, the practice of which was so easy, so continual to him. He answered, From the moment I entered religious life, I considered God to be the goal and end of all my soul's thoughts and affections. At the beginning of my novitiate, during the hours consecrated to mental prayer, I spent my time learning to appreciate the truth of this divine being, more so by the light of faith than by the work of meditation and discourse. By this short and sure means, I advanced in the knowledge of this amiable object with whom I resolved to remain forever. Therefore, completely penetrated by the grandeur of the infinite being, I would enclose myself in the place obedience had marked out for me, the kitchen. There, alone, once my duties were taken care of, I devoted myself, in what time remained, to mental prayer, before as well as after my work. When I began my work, I said to God with filial trust, my God, since you are with me, and since I must apply myself to these duties by your order, I beg you to give me the grace to remain with you and keep you company. Even better, my Lord, work with me. Accept my efforts and take possession of all my affections. Thus, during my work, I continue to speak intimately with him, offering him my little services, asking him for his graces. When my work was completed, I examined the manner in which I had done it. And if I found any good in it, I thank God. But if I noticed any mistakes, I asked pardon, and without getting discouraged, I redirected my mind and began again to abide with God as if I had never moved away from him. Thus, by getting back up after my falls, and by the multiplicity of acts of faith and love, I arrived at a state in which it would have been just as impossible not to think about God as it was difficult to get used to doing so in the beginning. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Angels of God are guardians dear, to whom God's love placed us here. Ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide, amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle God of youth, patron of my, of thy own, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. What if Brother Lawrence had given up the practice of the presence of God? because it was difficult at first. Well, we certainly wouldn't have these wonderful letters of his, this book of his, 
and he himself never would have arrived at the sanctity he arrived at. He says that there is a proportion between his constant thinking of God, the ease with which it's, he thinks of God, and the difficulty it would be for him not to think of God, not to converse with God, as it was difficult to get used to doing so in the beginning. In other words, just because something was difficult did not mean he should give up. Just because something is difficult does not mean that we should give up. In fact, quite often in a fallen world, anything that's worth doing has difficulties surrounding it. God told Adam, because you've done this, thorns and thistles will grow up. You will earn the sweat, you will earn your, your bread by the sweat of your brow. Work is perfective of man, but work after the fall is difficult, painful, troubling, and yet it's still perfective, it's still good. When Christ came into the world, he worked as a carpenter. Work is good, but difficult. What did God tell Eve? Because you've done this, you will bring forth children in pain. Is having children good? Yes. Be fruitful and multiply. Jesus Christ came into the world through a mother. He was born into this world. Having children, St. Paul says, is the means by which many women will get to heaven. It's a sanctifying, but it is difficult. It is very hard to raise children after they're born. In pain, you will bring forth your children, not just into the world, but to raise them. Because you've done this, he told Eve, your longing will be for your husband and he will rule over you. After original sin, the relationship between men and women is damaged. The natural desire the woman has to be the helpmate becomes distorted into a desire just to have him around. And the natural place of the man as the leader, as the head, turns into domination. Then the cycle gets inverted in this mutual manipulation. Does this mean that men and women should not continue to get married? No. Does this mean that we should give up trying to have families? No. What is difficult in a fallen world is almost anything that's worthwhile. Well, who will save us from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, St. Paul says. He has given us the sacrament of marriage to sanctify both marriage and the raising of children that come forth from that love. He's given us the sacramentals to sanctify all aspects of life. He's given us the Holy Eucharist so that we can bring our troubles each day, our work each day, our priestly work of sacrificing, of offering things to God, 
spiritual sacrifices and uniting them to the cross. He's given us the sacrament of baptism to transform our fallen hearts, to take away original sin, and to give us the grace to be able to live a holy life in a fallen world. And one of the great means of perseverance is this presence of God. And God will reward us if we don't stop trying. In his own good time, God will make himself known. He will communicate himself at a deeper level. Because that's exactly what prayer is. It's our living relationship between us and the Lord. And this practice of the presence of God is a, is a conversation with him, a loving conversation. And he will not be outdone in generosity. And if we're failing, if we feel like we're failing, guess what? All that's telling us is that we need to pray more. We need to ask for the grace to have his presence. God allows us, like he allowed the people of the Old Testament, to fall short when we are relying on ourselves so that we'll learn that we have to pray. And when we pray, guess what's happening? He's inspiring that prayer. But by praying, by asking for courage, for perseverance, for patience, the Lord teaches us the true source of our greatness, himself. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.